Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, this is episode number 80 of the Development Hall podcast. Um, sad to say, for people who have been following uh, my adventures on Twitter, the first podcast that we're doing without my long-running um, office manager, my beloved cat Pluto, unfortunately I had to put him to sleep, suffering from a bunch of physical ailments and uh you know it's you know as i was talking to ed and other people about this before the cool thing about pets is that they're bottomless pits for your affection you can pour as much emotion into them um as you basically have and uh when one of your pets uh dies passes on whatever euphemism you want to slap on it um i'm not gonna lie it hurts um i'm gonna miss them i was talking to my kids it's like for all the pets that I've had in my life, every time one of them passes on, it's like a little teeny tiny slice of me has been cut away. And that little part um, is not, uh, it's never going to grow back and it's always going to hurt. So I want to dedicate this episode number 80 to uh, Pluto, my long running office manager. You're in a better place now, but still fucking hurts at this end. So 80 times Ed and I have sat down together to talk mm-hmm. about stuff. Uh, so uh, Ed, how are you today? Pretty good. It's the... Uh... I think in the Spanish is the Deus Ocho. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, no. it's Achtig in uh, German. Uh, van Cat? No, what is it? Quatre Vingt in French. Four twenties, mm. which is which is interesting. Uh, yeah, that sounds like something the French would do. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, congratulations to France for losing to Portugal in the suck it, suck it in the Euro Cup today. And of course, Ronaldo gets hurt like twenty five minutes in, so he. Uh, hurt his leg and then he was sitting on the bench. I saw a funny video where he was like all into the game and like Portugal like missed a scoring chance. And like, he went to like, go like slam his hand down, like on the armrest of his chair and actually hit the leg of the guy sitting next to him. So the guy's like, Oh, what the <laughs> hell? So the, the guy's like, Oh, he like grabs his leg and Ronaldo's like, Oh man, are you okay? And the guy starts laughing. So I was, uh, the guy next to him started laughing. So it was kind of funny. Hey, there you go. There you go. Stuff. I'm kind of, uh, you know, Germany lost in the semi, so I was watching that, and I was actually, I thought Germany played, uh, I thought Germany played really, really poorly um, against France, but uh, that's how it goes, I guess. I guess you could look at it and say, well, they're only human, and they tried a game plan, and the game plan didn't work, but uh, like I said, after also watching Milos, Milos Ronic lose to uh, to uh, Andy Murray at uh, in Wimbledon today, I said, uh, second place is first loser, buddy. So second place is first second place loser. is the biggest loser. So all right. Anyway, today I think uh, mainly because of my uh, current mental state, I think we're only going to be able to cover one topic. But it's a very interesting one. We have no guests. It's just going to be me and Ed today. But uh, before we do that, Ed, you want to talk about the sponsors, please? Yeah. Sorry, I was looking at a javelin throw. It's important stuff that's going on. So we've got two two fine sponsors. Uh, we got your Wonder Network. Find purveyors of networks as the computer. I think uh, I was talking, uh, having a fine a discussion with Paul Reinheimer, co-founder of Wonder Network, and uh, as part of their your network is the computer guys plan. Uh, they're going to start selling old Spark stations to everybody. Uh, so if you need like a Spark One, Spark Five. Something of that nature. The people to talk to is Wonder Network. Your network is on their computer. And also, uh, they have replaced all of their internal systems, uh, PCs, Macs, any Linux boxes, all now Spark-based running SunOS. And not Solaris, SunOS. 
and all screenshots are now just going to be uh, links. They're going to access, uh, show you what your website looks like using text-based browsers. Uh, it's something called they, they, it's called RMS Tech, uh, where it just emails it to you inside of Emacs, and that's the way that you're going to find out if your uh, adult site has been translated into Russian correctly. So that's what's going on at Wonder Network. Uh, and then, you know, they got their proxies. Where's it up? VPNs for people. Statistics of pinging. Where is it not fast? And other fine services. Thank you, Wonder Network, for providing the bandwidth on which you are listening to my voice now. Thank you. And then our other sponsor is Grampy Learning, grampylearning.com dash something. Grampy-learning.com, which is I, I, uh, Chris's venture where he is teaching a, how to take care of people his age, uh, how to feed them soup. And be nice to them. Um, grampy learning. Wouldn't you like to be grampy too? Buy their book now. Minimum viable annoyance at new bands and strange slang terms. Grampy. He'll teach you what you don't want to know. But he's wise. GrampyLearning.com. Chris, could you tell us where you came up with the idea of Grampy Learning? That's I, a new thing. I, I, think. I think the actual real issue is that you're mispronouncing the name. It's Grumpy Learning. I think you're. Mis- I think you're oh. transposing some vowels. Oh, oh, you mean the the that testing thing you do? Yes. GrumpyLearning.com with a dash in between Grumpy and Learning. I think. Uh, grumpy-learning.com that's okay while we're talking i'm actually going to go register grumpy learning all one word and just redirect it and it's easier yeah that's a good good plan let's see here is it i thought i thought you already registered it no i I don't actually own it which is which i need to like good job buddy i need to fix that like right now so (sighs) what do you like to learn about hack now that php 7 is out and has most of its features (laughs) buy the grumpy little book of hack Oh, God, I'm so mad about that book, Ed. Sorry. Uh, but you would definitely like to buy the Grumpy Programmer's Minimal Viable Test Guide <laughs> so that you can do the least amount of work possible, which is what we all want to do. Good plans for everybody. And, of course, there's still the classics Grumpy Programmer's PHP Unit Cookbook. I have a copy of that, and it's useful, I guess. And Grumpy Programmer's Guide to Building Testable Applications in PHP. That's got Grampy on the front. And then there's some videos that the color looks all weird on. I don't know why, but they work. And they teach you about it, even if the colors are a little weird. And it looks like it was recorded on Atari ST or something. Go buy it now, please, won't you? Grumpy-learning.com. 
And if you do happen to hear this in the month of uh, July, I will be donating uh, 25% of my royalties uh, for the month to the um, animal shelter where I adopted Pluto from. That's an awesome idea. I fully support that. Chris, as you know, we have two cats, and we had two cats before, and uh, both of them within a year passed away, and that sucked ass. Um, And I have been where you are now and it sucks. So be cool because those animals are awesome and we take care of them and give them good homes and lives. And they're super cool for being awesome. So, uh, yeah, I like cats. Yeah, I know. I see your cat all the time whenever we're doing the video stuff. But uh, there's no uh, the cats aren't down here right now. I'm kind of surprised. Usually they're uh, at the the podcast I did uh, about um, about that. We're going to kind of extend on a little bit about travel and going to conferences and stuff. Um, uh, Anyanka was up in my grill constantly screaming, yelling at me, telling me to suck it. It was no good. So there we go. America, please buy these products. Thank you. And back to you, Chris. Well, I don't know. That's going to be pretty hard to hard to top. Uh, but yeah, so I did good. Yeah, you did. You did fine, even with the Grampy thing. Uh, what am I doing here? Uh, sorry, we, we have go. our stuff together. Yes, we do. Uh, sorry, I was just looking at another uh, wrong tab. Wrong uh, tab. I gotta close the hentai one. All right. So, uh, so yeah. So t- today we're gonna because this segues nicely into something that Ed did recently and something I'm doing in about a week's time is want to talk a bit about travel tips for uh, prospective speakers. It is speaker season. Uh, I'm still waiting to hear about our venue for True North. So if you ever want, if if I, I'm tempted to say things like, you know, how I said that this is going to be the last True North PHP. Well, if some shit doesn't get lined up correctly, we might have had the last one last year. So, oh. yeah, there's just some uh, some confusion uh, and non-committals, but hopefully that will all get straightened away. It's like we have the venue, but someone is waiting to hear something from the correct person. And I honestly don't know what's going to happen if that doesn't come through. So, cause then I got to hunt for another venue for the event. I may just go, you know what? Just, yeah, I don't care. Sorry. We finished it last year. Well, I'll fly up there anyway. <laughs> yeah. We can come and hang out. Uh, we can go do something else. Um, yep. More fun than teach people things. Uh, so yeah, so travel tips for conferences. I know Ed, you were recently on a podcast with, uh, some other folks, uh, discussing conference related stuff. So why don't you talk a bit about that and how that went and some of the interesting things that came up? Yeah. So I got invited on this, uh, sort of, uh, it was a really kind of video chat discussion on some sort of, uh, some sort of website called like crowd chat or chat chat crowd uh crowdio i think crowd crowd chatter chowder dot io and uh it was with some folks uh uh, uh mainly uh, the dude who put together is uh uh a fellow who i've known from a couple of python conferences 
and also saw him at Open Source Bridge. Um, and, and, and he, I, he, that's probably where he was like, Hey, we should talk to Ed about this stuff in, in that voice. Exactly. And he had on uh, a few other folks, uh, to talk about mostly out of the Python community. Um, and then there was me, the interloper. And we talked about travel stuff, which is, it was a lot of stuff about like, what are the things that you do when you go traveling to, it was kind of focused on conference stuff, but it could have been traveling for other kinds of things too. Um, but, and it kind of focused, it, we kind of jumped around a little bit, I guess, really. Uh, but things about travel, but things like how do you choose where you're going to stay? What kind, how do you pack? What kind of bags do you take? What do you take with you? Uh, when you go to a conference, how do you, interact with people even though you don't understand human beings uh things of that nature and uh, it was an enjoyable conversation and i thought that might be something we could dig into a little bit more here and uh you know get into it certainly want to hear chris's uh, you know thoughts on that too and you know i just uh been thinking about it lately and i you know i like to hear myself talk so it seemed like a plan and you know i already had some answers so figured it was easy i just repeat myself so that was fun, and we kind of got into that uh, stuff, and I guess the first thing would be, you know, maybe talking about that travel thing, and I think one of the toughest things with travel could be a lot of stuff about flying and, like, how you prepare for those planes and things like that. Um, and I know, because now I sort of fly probably between, you know, maybe six to ten times a year it's been the past few years. And you get to kind of know what works and what doesn't um, after you do stuff, like do the same thing 15 times. And that stuff kind of gets interesting. So, Chris, do you have any super uh, flight tips for, you know, travelers who maybe don't fly on planes so much, but what they're thinking about? Well, I mean, I can only talk about my own circumstances because I have some slightly different requirements um, flight-wise. Being an extremely large human, um, there are constantly issues with me uh, having uh, enough legroom, having enough width in the seats even uh, to fit correctly. So I, I do I do want to say, though, the one of the best things that I ever did was, uh, this is for Canadian residents, is to get enrolled in the Nexus program. Uh, which is for frequent Canada-U.S. travelers. I don't travel as much as I used to, but I used to go across the border um, on, you know, every six weeks like clockwork um, for work and then, you know, for six to eight times um, for conferences and visits uh, to uh, friends that live in the U.S. And so... this also applies to getting into the the like the TSA pre-check and the TSA the the global global entry system. What these things let you do is at most airports now security is just a humongous theater and it's a pain in the ass. Um, so it can be a major cause of stress to be standing in line forever. When I went to PHP South Coast, of course, um, I blanked out and didn't do the 
they have an e-passport thing just like they did. Did I, Ed, did I ever tell you what happened when I went to Australia? I don't think so. Okay. So, uh, so I, I can kind of talk about this. It was a neat thing that they were doing in Australia and the UK has the same thing, but I didn't bother looking into it until I was like, like a third of the way through the immigration queue at Heathrow. So when I flew to Australia, they had this uh, e-passport system where um, if you were a citizen of certain countries, you could almost go through like an express um, checkout for uh, for your passport stuff. You literally would go up to a thing, put your passport down. It would take your picture, try to match your picture um, to your passport and your flight details and verify, yeah, we knew you were coming and that you have the prop. Because Australia has a thing where uh, everyone who is not Australian or from New Zealand needs uh, a visa to get mm-hmm. in. So mm-hmm. it matched those things up. And then if everything was good, you just get let through and that's it. Because when, when you get that visa, you have to outline the reasons why you're coming. So... Uh, so it's kind of interesting. So if you think about that sort of stuff, uh, if you can get enrolled into those systems, um, then it does make the travel thing a lot easier, especially for me when anytime I fly out of the Toronto airport, um, even if I'm not flying to the U.S., even when I fly internationally, I get to th- go through a different security line, one that is usually way shorter um, and way less hassle. Many times I don't have to, like most of the time when I go through, I don't have to take out, do the thing, the dance where you have to take off your shoes and you have to take off your belt and all that stuff. There's been times when I went through, it was just literally, yes, sir, just put your bags, uh, put your suitcase and put your backpack on the, on the security, on like, you know, on the conveyor belt and we'll scan everything. Um, so if you're looking for things, ways to make your, um, trip easier, getting enrolled in one of these things, um, is key that you can skip all these, like you're in these lines way less often. Um, the people actually, you actually do get treated differently, um, by the staff because you're, because basically what you're doing is you're like giving up a whole bunch of personal information and you're basically being like pre-screened and almost like a criminal background check type of thing to be able mm-hmm. to use these things. Cause they're, cause they're, they're willing to say, okay, if we can get a bunch of background information on you to make sure that you're not going to try anything stupid when you're at the airport, then we'll let you go through this other line where scrutiny is, is much, much less. Um, right. So the, the big thing for me, has been skipping those immigration lines because usually the immigration line to the U.S. leaving from the Toronto airport is quite large and also lets me skip the humongous immigration lines when I fly back in. Again, there's a separate line. I go to a little automated kiosk. Uh, The Canadian government asks me for my little ID card that I have for Nexus. It scans my, does a retinal scan, uh, says, oh, yeah, hey, Chris, welcome back. And it prints, asks me to answer some customs questions. You know, what stuff am I bringing back? And then that's it. I, I only talk, I don't even talk to any humans. It's all completely automated. Um, last thing I have to do when I pick up my bag is I go past a human and I hand him, uh, him or her, um, the little card that the kiosk spit out and my, uh, customs declaration form. And that's it. So if you're looking for easy ways to like save time at the airport that lets you like get there a little later than normal, way less stressful experience going through security, um, highly recommend uh, getting enrolled in one of those programs. I don't know if I, I know there's a similar one for folks who are in Mexico and go back and forth uh, to the U.S. Um, but with the Nexus program, I'm also in um, global entry. So if I do fly into the U.S., um, I, when I do transfers at airports and stuff, or even when I'm leaving, I'm like TSA pre-checked approved. So it's pretty oh, sweet. Nice. Yeah, it is pretty sweet. When I was in, I think it was when I was in Seattle, when I went to Pacific Northwest PHP last year, um, I was able to skip a humongous security line where I literally walked past everybody. There was nobody in the pre-check line when I mm-hmm. went. 
And I got like the death stare from like at least a hundred people as I walked by and just literally cut in front of them and said, Hey, how's it going? And cut in front of them to go into, uh, go into the scanning. So that was, um, it was very, very interesting. You were just like, haters. Yeah. I'm just like, Hey man. I'm like, Oh, the guy's like, Oh, oh you can't come in this line. I said, yep. I'm like TSA pre-check. And I showed the car. I said, Oh, Nexus guy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Come on. You're next. So, yeah. boom. So boom. that's, that's what I recommend. Like even for you, Ed, with, uh, with basically where you're traveling, like, you know, almost once a month, I think if you were to get enrolled in the pre-check, uh, you, I, it would greatly reduce your stress level at going through security. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how tightly wound you get when you go through. Um, but, uh, um, but I would, I would imagine being enrolled in that thing, um, would be good. And for me, of course, the Nexus thing has a much better, um, has another added advantage of at ground crossings at most, most, uh, border crossings where you can drive over, they have separate lines, uh, for mm-hmm. the Nexus folks. So again, if there's a humongous backup of people, um, I just, if, if everybody in your vehicle has a Nexus card, you bypass that line. When I used to go down to Buffalo all the time, when I worked at Cinecor, there's a bridge in Niagara Falls that's just for Nexus card holders. And I think the longest I ever waited to get into the U.S. when I used that border crossing was like five minutes, which is pretty sweet, given that there's been times when I've waited like two hours to get in before I got that card. So now, it, for the people who don't have Nexus cards, do you have like false floorboards in your car? <laughs> to... Well, all I've been told is if you do anything to screw up, they take your Nexus card away and you're on the secondary screening list for life. So there's, oh, yeah, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't, I, that's, I'm, I like being able to go, to go into the U S without, excuse me, getting humongously hassled. So I don't want to jeopardize that. My card expires in 2018. So I'm going to renew it um, for sure because it's all the benefits uh, have been so, so good um, for just, uh, just, you know, anything you can do to reduce the amount of time that you spend in those security lines um, is a good thing. Yeah, I shows what you know, because I already am in pre-check. There you uh, go. And uh, so I did that last year and I'm glad that I did because it does make things. Uh, sometimes it varies. Sometimes it my airport. Typically, the Indianapolis airport doesn't have, um, they seem to do a pretty good job with security. And also, it's often not super high traffic. So, it's, I think it's less of an issue there. It becomes, it has become more of an issue when I've flown out of, you know, going home maybe uh, out of other airports where, and I'd hit busy times or something like that. And that, it definitely has helped. Um, You know, when it comes to security for me, I think the key things are that you just think about what you need to do and that you're prepared before you get into the line. Like I uh, and I've I've gotten to the point where I've done it enough where I this is it's one, it's kind of easier. And two, it is just there's less crap you have to do when you do pre-check. But like when I fly, I usually don't wear, you know, tie up shoes. Uh, I'm certainly not going to wear like boots or something like that because it's just a huge pain in the ass to to do that. You have to take your shoes off, got to take your jacket off, got to take all the crap out of your pockets. Um, and so before I get in line, um, I put everything like in my bag uh, and I make sure that my laptop is is in an easy place for it to pop it out. And if I have to take that out now, again, I don't have to do that anymore, but when I didn't have pre-check, you just got to think about that stuff ahead of time. Like, okay, I've got it. So the only two things I have are my boarding pass, which maybe is on your phone. 
um, which I like to just put that use my phone app for that whatever airline I'm flying and use that. And I have my driver's license and that's it. Then my wallet is, you know, in my bag and all my, my keys are already in my bag and any change or any other crap, all that stuff's taken out and it's just easy to go. So it just makes your life easier. If you have, if you like, it's, you don't have to like feel rushed because when you get into the line or especially once you start getting into, uh, uh, the, you've, you've gone past the person and shown you the, the your ID and your, uh, boarding pass, uh, then it can either be, it's like either extremely slow and you're waiting forever or, and then it'll happen. It's like, you have to work extremely fast. It's like, I'm so bored. I can't do anything. We're just standing here doing nothing. And then suddenly like, Oh my God, I gotta get this on so fast. <laughs> And it's just better if you kind of have in mind what you need to do and what you don't and just have all that stuff together. So, you know, give yourself time. Don't dick around. Give yourself enough, like, get to the place an hour and a half early, you know, stuff like that. Like, just so you don't have any problems with it. And just pay attention to it. Like, if you're in a big city and you've got a busy airport, get there sooner. And, you know, the worst thing you got to do is uh, you'll hang out at the airport for a while longer. And you know, uh, but you know. see, I hate but see, I hate that. I hate being at the airport uh, just sitting around at the gate waiting for shit. Can't stand it. Well, you know, I'll go get a bite to eat or I'll dick around on my computer, or play a game or something. I usually find something to do. Um, but it's up to you. I mean, if you want to cut that time down, that's fine. But I think some of that comes from if you are. If you have some experience, if you're experienced with doing this stuff, you probably have a better idea of like what you need to do and not do, and like how long it's going to take at the airport you usually fly out of, and junk like that. Yeah. So you just don't want to cut it close because it's too often where people kind of end up cutting it close, and then it's like something goes wrong, and they end up, you know, it's just a deal. Fair enough. Um, and it can vary a little bit with the airline too. Like I've had problems. Like I used to fly Frontier a lot, and they have like gone to one of those like budget airlines where basically they give you like a like a couple of trash bags to sit in and uh like i had a problem where i showed up i was i got to the airport a little bit late and i i was going to print my boarding pass and they the the kiosks for frontier wouldn't print the boarding passes if it was less than 40 minutes before boarding time and this was out before security. So the kiosk out by like the ticket terminal, right? Right. And they say, hey, you need to go talk to an agent. Well, here's another thing that Frontier did. They pull all of their agents off of the ticket counter so that they go back to the gates. Right. So there was nobody there. <laughs> so you're like, uh, yeah, this, the old- <laughs> this, this instructions, I cannot comply with these instructions. Right. So what I, and, and so what, and, oh, and Frontier also doesn't, um, do e-passes, like e-boarding passes. Right. You need a paper one. You need a paper one. You have to get it printed out. So one, my mistake for not printing, I should have gotten one. I should have gotten there sooner and I didn't, I didn't print. I should have printed my pass and I didn't. And but so what I had to do was I basically begged like the person who was at the information kiosk to print it for me. I was like, <laughs> I because I had the pass, it was just on my phone, right? right? And so I had a PDF. I was like, can I email this to you? And he's like, we're really not supposed to do that. And I'm like, I'm going to miss my flight. Ah. 
And so he complied and I got a paper one and then got through and, you know, and then they yelled at me for being like, you're the last one on, you know, and I'm like, well, no fucking shit. You think I'm not trying to hurry? Anyway, um, the point is that you, you kind of have to be careful of that. And I, I only fly Delta now and I know Delta pretty well. And I fly Delta because I have a, one of those Delta Amexes. Oh, nice. So I get points, you know, I get to get, I get miles when I buy anything. So I just only fly Delta. And, um, and so, so that, uh, has been something that you just have to know. And it's a good idea to like print your stuff out in case your phone blows up or something, even though I don't do that, but I probably should, but I have my laptop too. I mean, I could look stuff up on that, I guess if like something really went crazy, uh, so it's just, you know, stuff like that, that makes a big difference. Um, I, I think the other thing to think about is like how comfortable you are being separated from your luggage. Uh, I am not comfortable with that. I do not like my, to be separated from my luggage. So as a consequence, uh, I do not like to check bags ever. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the same way. I try to carry my bag, uh, go, just go carry on all the time recently though, because, um, I went on a long trip. Yeah. Um, I, I brought like when I went to London since I was there for ten days. It's like I, it's trip. like I can't cram uh, since my clothes are like three times the size of normal people's clothes. It's like yeah. I, I I don't think I can carry ten days worth you of clothes. Need, like you have like two pairs on. of pants. That's one piece of luggage. Yeah, you. almost. It's like it's either that or I have to like balance that against like the hotel charging me like two hundred bucks to do my laundry. So yeah, they don't mess around with the, <laughs> yeah. that pricing. You're, I, I mean, you'd be like, oh yeah, I'll just I can wash it there, and it's like, oh, one pair of underwear that will be fifteen dollars sir um, i mean it's not yeah, quite yeah, that bad but it's yeah. really expensive it is shockingly did, expensive yeah i did that and uh i had to do some laundry i got a couple of things washed and I, uh, when i was in london just at the end because i needed some uh literally got some shirts and some underwear done and i was like astonished at how much the bill was but um yeah that's, yeah. that's how but, it is you know, man. You do what you gotta do i mean so i haven't had a trip that's been over a week and i i usually pack like couple pairs of pants um and then i enough shirts one for each day and then enough underwear and enough pairs of socks one for each day and uh you know i hope i don't shit my pants over and over i guess um and uh that so far worked out pretty well uh i also have to carry a cpap with me yeah i, I don't have to carry things like that right. unfortunately. Now, so i know a few things so a couple things to keep in mind don't ever, ever, ever put like medicine you need or medical devices in a checked bag. Do not do that. Always, always, always put it in your carry on stuff. And if it's something like a CPAP, a medical device that you need, um, you can usually, I've never had any, a, a, an airline complain about this. I, uh, th- they can, they'll let you carry that on in a, in an extra bag. So, like, if you have a bag just for something like a CPAP, uh, you can just carry that in a separate bag if you want to. And uh, what I did was I got a tag that just says medical device and has, like, the doctor symbol of, like, the two snakes or whatever that shit is. And it's not, like, some official, you know, 
FDA thing or anything like that. It just it just it just looks official. Like I mean, it's made up. I mean, anybody could make it, but it's like a plastic tag that kind of looks like it. And you just stick it on the bag, and then less people hassle you less. But um, as long as they see the tag, they won't bug you. If they don't see the tag, they may be like, "Hey, you can't take that many bags on." I'll say it's a CPAP, and then they'll be like, "Oh, okay, never mind." Like every time I did that. So I tried doing that like six or seven times and it worked, it worked okay. But what I've done now is I consolidated down to, um, I just have like a duffel bag, like an, it's just like an athletic duffel bag. Right. And it's kind of big, but it's not gigantic. The big thing is that it's flexible so that I can like squeeze stuff down so it can fit into smaller overhead bins and stuff like that, that in with my regular, like the roller luggage that I had, um, it just could not squeeze that small. Right. Um, and it's just like, I don't know, cause you know, I dress like an asshole. So it's all t-shirts and, and you know, jeans and shit like that. So it's not a problem if that gets wrinkled. I mean, you could compress it like a Pringles can basically. Yeah. I, I roll my, I, when I put all my luggage in my carry ons and in my regular luggage too, I all roll it up really tight. Yeah. Um, cause that way I can fit uh, way more stuff. Right. In. I, right. So I think, I mean, I can I th- even fit this bag in like those crummy air Canada overheads. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so it works. It's fine, you know? And, and so, so that's after doing, you know, doing this for several years, I'm kind of on that. Now, the only drawback with that is I don't have a roller and it does mean that I have to carry kind of a lot of stuff, like a bag full of clothes and my toiletries and a CPAP, which is not a, most of the, the ones, well, the ones that the insurance will pay for, they're not small and they're not light. What are you okay there, buddy? You know, Did you spill your yeah, drink? Yeah, I'm fine. No, my oh. drink is empty, fortunately. Thank God. Oh, I was very upset if that's a bit of lost drink. Um, so that's that a, that's a f- spilling a beer is a felony in Canada. So that's my understanding. Got to be yeah. careful. Yeah, you got to lick it up, or the cops will write you a ticket. <laughs> um, Molson all over the place. Um, but yeah, so you know that's kind of the sucky part is it does get a little bit hard to carry that. And I, I have a backpack now I've switched from a messenger bag. I had a Timbuktu messenger bag. I have a backpack. Now I can carry more with a backpack and I can, um, and it's better on my shoulders. It, I have significantly less back pain now, uh, instead of having the messenger bag and the duffel bag. Now I have a backpack and a duffel bag. The duffel bag is heavy, but I, it's, you know, I could deal with it walking through the airports and I'm okay, but it it gets a little heavy after you've walked, you know, like three quarters of a mile through a, like, you know, the Minneapolis airport or O'Hare running through terminals. And, you know, it's a little bit, a little bit long. And I do kind of wish I could roll it, but yeah, the duffel bag will fit like into anything, which is the, that's the nice thing. Yeah, that's good. I have a roller one that I've had for a long time. So that yep. one's been okay. I haven't only, I'm trying to think now, only once or twice um, I was on a plane that was too small for the roller thing and they just gate checked it and uh, it was cool in the gang. I've done that a few times. But I tend to bring like backpack uh, with stuff in it and the roller one. Um, like I said, I really, uh, I had twice where my luggage got lost, 
um, and took forever to show up someplace. And so after mm-hmm. that happened, this after it happened the second time, I was like, yeah, I'm never going through this shit again. Um, I, I can't. I think I, I've never had a check bag loss, but I've only checked like three or four times. I can't imagine how stressed out I would be if I was waiting for my fucking bag to show up like at my airport. And otherwise I was just like, you know, had to, you know, I don't know where the same fucking clothes for three days or something. I just can't. Yeah. When I went to Serbia, I checked the bag just because the organizers gave me a really nice, expensive um, bottle of alcohol. And I'm like, I don't want, I'm like, I don't want to leave this. So you can't bring it on the plane. Um, So I, I checked my roller bag and that was okay. I mean, but that was, even though I had, like, I always get, so this brings on to another topic, I guess we can keep going on about uh, flights, whether to connect or not to connect. Mm-hmm. I generally uh, insist on nonstop flights. I just yeah. won't. I just. I don't want um, if there if there is no option because I have to connect just simply because no direct flight exists. Such as like when I flew to <coughs> when I went to Australia, mm-hmm. there was no direct flight. I could not get a nonstop flight from Toronto to Australia. There just wasn't one. Um. Uh, other places, most places in North America, I'm pretty sure I can get a direct flight. So it all just becomes a case of like how much you're willing to spend uh, on the flight. And and most conferences have been good because um, usually I always offer to do like multiple talks and do tutorials and stuff. So I basically say it'll be worth your while to have to pay the extra money for the flight. But like when I for us, when I went to Serbia, there was there are no direct flights to Belgrade, so I had to transfer at Heathrow. Right. And Heathrow was an interesting experience. That airport is humongous. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure Ed that between when I got off my flight and when I got to the gate, yeah. I'm pretty sure I walked for almost 45 minutes around the airport just to right. yeah, I, just like because and because it's such a huge airport and multiple terminals, and then they don't have like you know how some airports have like the the monorail or like a or like a like a train you know to get you from one terminal to the other at Heathrow it's all buses so like you have to get off your flight and go down into the bowels of the terminal of wherever you were and like literally wait for a bus and you wait for the bus you get on it and it takes its sweet time driving around the airport till it gets you to the terminal where you're going and then you gotta kind of um, kind of uh, retrace your steps mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh you know um so yeah it was humongous and uh like i'm pretty sure that if i if i booking a flight out of heathrow where you're doing a connection and you have like an hour or less like you're just you're not gonna make it buddy uh yeah just, just, if you have to switch terminals or something yeah, yeah. and the worst part too it was the behavior of people at security uh, at the because mm. to to leave the terminal you had to go through a security checkpoint so they like oh scanned, really that's yeah, interesting yeah they had you scan your bags and stuff that's not how they do it in America <laughs> well I mean that's what Heathrow does right um, but the thing that irritated me the most was was the people arguing with the security people about why do I have to take this off why do I have to take that that off at one point one person was arguing I felt like telling the per- like yelling at the person take your stupid coat off take your fucking shoes off. Put them on the goddamn tray because there's 50 people waiting behind you who don't give a fuck about what your problem is. Because I'm like, people yeah. are, and then, and then they <coughs> also do a secondary <coughs> screening thing for people who do stuff like they have shit inside their bags that not supposed to be like they have a water bottle yeah and and and, and other stuff like that so those people end up um i had to do that because uh they took exception to the fact that uh 
even though I had all my toiletries separated, I didn't have my stuff in a clear bag inside my backpack. And I was like, I, I almost rolled my eyes so hard I hurt myself. But oh, I was like, yeah. so I got pulled aside and that cost me 20 minutes while they like lectured me on my toiletries. And I was yeah. like, uh, all the while I was thinking, just don't say anything, man. Just, yep, sure, whatever you want. I just yeah. like, yeah, sorry, back home, I don't have to worry about any of this. Sorry. So the, the yeah. little sarcastic, passive-aggressive response um, sometimes doesn't hurt. But um, but so transferring. Yeah. So uh, I, <laughs> now one of the interesting things I imagine is that Toronto, for the most part, very centralized hub, mm-hmm. lots of direct flights places. I imagine Indianapolis, not so much. No, it's not a hub for anything, so it can be hard to get direct flights. Um, there, for example, there is one direct flight a, a a day to San Francisco. There's one, and that that is only in the last like two years. I mean, it used to be you just could not do it; you'd have to connect. Um, there's direct flights to LA, but you can't often get them. You often can't get them like when you want, like the time of day you want, right? Uh, I typically have to connect if the, if I can go direct, it is usually worth it, but you know, it kind of depends on what we're talking about. Like, is it like, sometimes it'll be like, Hey, it's $300 or $900. And I'm like, that's a little bit tough, right? It depends. And it's kind of like, well, how much time is it saving me and stuff like that? And if it's not saving me a ton of time, then, then, you know, if it's that much difference, then I might do the non-direct flight, but I'm, you know, I also limit my choices a lot because I'm only flying on one airline, uh, which kind of throws it up. Except, like, if I go to Toronto um, for True North PHP, I will probably try to get the organizers to uh, pay for a direct flight, even though it's more expensive and it's not Delta. Uh, it does save uh, quite a bit of time and it's, it, but it's an air Canada flight to go directly to Toronto. Um, I can usually, I can get directs to a lot of, so a fair number of things on the East coast um, because it's closer, obviously that's only like an hour and a half flight to almost anywhere there to like Atlanta or to, you know, any of that stuff. Um, but yeah, um, I avoid, and it's it's easier because Delta mostly doesn't connect through O'Hare. I avoid trying to connect through O'Hare anytime. Like, I just don't do it. Um, had too many kind of bad experiences with it. So I avoid that like the plague if I can. Um, but like I said, there's not much connecting through there. Uh, Delta, mostly, if I'm going to the West Coast, you'll connect through Minneapolis or you'll connect through Salt Lake City. Um, sometimes coming back, I will hit LAX for a red eye, which, um, LAX is crazy. Uh, it'll be 11 o'clock on a Sunday night, you know, local time. And it's like Moss Eisley in there. It is nuts. (laughs) There are so many people and it's just, everybody's awake and it's not like they're all zonked out there. It is just as busy as it would be during the day. And that, so not a huge fan of LAX, but at least I, one time I I was going to say, usually I don't have to go far. Like it's, I just have to walk like a couple gates over, you know, it's whatever. It's fine. I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll get a bite to eat. It's annoying because there's so much crap and it's all flashing and it's too bright in there. But one time I had to go to like 
this other terminal, which is, uh, I think it's LAX Terminal 6, which is like out in the, it's, as far as I can tell, this, well, this is what happened. It's like, okay, you're going to be over in this terminal. I had like a couple hours, so I had some time to make it. And I'm just following the signs, right? You know, okay, I got to go to this gate. All right, go down here, go down this stairwell, go, you know, all through this stuff. Yeah, you know, I think when I, I think I've been to that terminal because when I went with Evan Curry one time when we were in yeah. Los Angeles and we flew to San Jose. Yeah. <coughs> excuse me. We had to go to that terminal. And I remember like, man, where are we going? And we just go here and yeah. here and here. And then you get to like the far end of some terminal. Like, oh yeah. And there's like, oh, and someone's like, yeah, here, just wait for the bus to terminal six. I'm like, where the hell are we? Like, it's like yeah, I, I feel like I've almost walked all the way down to San Diego. Um, I think at, there at this is, point. there probably is. I just hit a thing that said, go to terminal seven. And then it took me to some other thing, which is just not even a thing. Um, yeah, so from what I remember from Terminal 6, it was like I had to walk like I I just I go through like these double doors into a hallway. And it's just a hallway that with no doors on the left or right side, the whole way, and it is like half a mile long of just a hallway. And I just walk down this like I'm expecting in the middle of it to get there and like people to like release like hungry dogs or something after me that chase after it or like murderers or aliens or something to start coming after me. It was terrifying. And I didn't know where I was going. And no, nobody. I, I assume there probably is some kind of. uh you know, ground transport. They did not tell me to go to ground transport. Nothing told me to do that. So I just walked and eventually, I mean, I got there, but it was like, where, like I did, I felt like I was walking through area 51 or something like that. It was nuts. It was just crazy. And you get out there and then it's like, this isn't, this is like, it's just this really shitty terminal, right? And it just sucks and it's, and it's crappy and there's nothing cool about it. And it just, is kind of garbage. And, and it's like, it was like uh, being at the DMV or something like that. Right. Um, now I might be mixing up cause I'm, I'm looking at this, uh, <laughs> and it says that Terminal 6, like some people gave it good reviews on Yelp. Uh, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure this is the thing that I went into. Yeah, it's under construction. It's super decrepit looking. There's not very many much to eat there. There's only like two food places. Um, it is just really, really not good. And uh, it just fe- and it felt like like. I don't know. It it felt like a forgotten understaffed government agency waiting room, you know? Yeah. And now eventually I got on a plane and I flew to Indianapolis from there. But man, it was just weird. That was just a weird experience. Yeah, um, I imagine LAX is would be a very weird airport because, you know, it is all the way on the West Coast and you're at 11 11 uh, p.m. on um 
on a Sunday, yeah, you'd have all sorts of people. And I'm sure um, uh, the San Francisco airport is the same, just jam full of people who are catching the red eye so that they're back home. Uh, you know, they get to the East Coast. Like if you fly all the way to New York, you'll get to New York at like eight o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock uh, in the morning, um, you know, New York time. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very, very yeah. strange. Um, so. So generally, like, you not like, like for me, I don't want to make connections. I really don't like making connections. I, what I didn't hear uh, in the very long ramble that you did with some mm. interesting points, but like, do you not, do you care about connectors or don't care just as long as you get to your uh, destination a, in a timely fashion, you're cool with it? I, I'd prefer not to, but I don't find it wildly aggravating. Um, the, the thing that'll bite you with connections, though, is my tendency is I want a shorter flight. So that means I will go for the shortest connect, like time between connecting flights. So like I will book stuff and it'll be like 45 minutes from when you're supposed to arrive to when you're supposed to get on the plane, you know, leave. And that's not a lot of time to turn around. So what happens is that um, so I cut that pretty short because I kind of have to. It just I don't I can't get a lot of direct flights. But then the problem ends up being um If there's a delay, which doesn't happen a lot, but it happens sometimes, uh, if there's any kind of significant delay, I, I, I will miss my connection, no doubt. And so as a consequence... Uh, now Delta does make it pretty easy to rebook. Like it'll just ping you and say, as soon as it's delayed, you can then rebook for free on anything using their phone app. And it's, you can rebook however the fuck you want to, and it's fine. Or you can go to talk to somebody and tell them what's going on and stuff like that. And so it does a pretty good job of it, but like that happened to me coming back from Portland on my last trip. And it just, I, I was going to miss my connection in Salt Lake City. And so I had to uh, reroute and I went through LAX and I had a really crappy connection in LAX where it was just like the the gate from hell. And it was like a bunch of, it was like a an immigrant camp, like of refugees waiting to get on to two. There's, it's like gate 53A and B. A slash B and they're like right at the same place and they were both leaving at the same time. So like you'd be hearing them talking about boarding one of the planes and you go up and then you find out it wasn't your plane. It was the other plane. They hadn't called your zone yet. And it was just, so I just kind of connections are kind of a, just a matter of fact for me. I kind of have to, because I don't want to go to I, the other option for me if I wanted to not have to connect would be to drive up to O'Hare and I just do not want to do that. Yeah. That's not, it's not an easy drive either. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a two hour drive about a little bit longer, but the real pain is that I have to go into Chicago highway traffic, which is nuts. And then I have to park at O'Hare and I, I just, I don't even want to tempt fate. Indianapolis, a relatively small airport, also a very nice airport and really nicely designed. And it's it's roomy. And it was the, the, the whole thing was designed after 2001. And it's well put together. It's designed to handle the flow of people. Right. And uh, I like flying out of Indianapolis. It's way better. And I would much rather do that uh, unless 
I boy, I don't know. I, I mean, it's to the point where like if I can't fly from Indianapolis to someplace else, if my option would be to go to O'Hare, I'll just be like, I'm not going. Not sorry. <laughs> and this came up because you literally could not get a flight from we wanted to go to Atlantic city and Nicole ended up going by herself. Yeah. I heard about this. How you like, you could not find a flight out of Indianapolis. No, no set of circumstances would let you somehow get to get to Atlantic city, which I I, I remember when you told me, I was thinking that that can't possibly be right. No, And it must must be doing something wrong. No. So it's not just Delta. No airline that flies from Indianapolis will allow you, even on a multi-air, like I was using Kayak or things like that, which will let you do multi-airline connections and stuff like that. There is an airport in Atlantic City. There's an airport in Indianapolis. Nobody between those two things would allow me to get from there, from here to there, right? I could fly to Philadelphia and then take the train. That's ended up what my wife did because she went with a friend of hers to go to this thing, Atlantic city to go see Don Rickles. Well, that was like, that's, that's it. That's all you got. Um, I tried, you, you just couldn't do it. I can fly into state college in Pennsylvania. I can fly to lots of places. I have to pay money. Right. You can fly to these little airports if you, if, you know, if they take commercial flights or so Atlantic City, apparently is some kind of dead zone. And like you just cannot. There is no wormhole that goes from Indianapolis to Atlantic City, no matter what you try. So um, that's a thing. And that was just weird. That is the that's one of the few times I've ever run into a case where it was just like, no, you just can't. You can't do it. You just couldn't do it. So, yeah, that's a thing. Probably I should have just gone with it and we go to Philadelphia and take the train. I was freaked out about that. Now I think I probably would have just been okay just as long as I just gave myself enough time to figure all that out. But uh it was uh it was super weird. I don't know why it was like that, but it was just that's just the way it is. I don't know. If I had like I the weird thing was I'm pretty sure I can catch an air an airline like to from the Atlanta airport. I know I can go from Atlanta to Atlantic City. And it might be that it, somebody maybe who's listening knows better than I do. Maybe some of these uh airlines have just agreements that they will uh like say that you can take Delta from like here to here and then you take American from here to here or whatever that is, you know? Um, I guess the other possibility is like, maybe it was limited in like how long the layover would be like, like maybe you could do it, but you'd have to wait like 24 hours (laughs) or something in one place. So maybe there's a, there's something that holds you up there. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't know why it didn't work. It was silly. Uh, but maybe that says something about what's happening with Atlantic city, which is apparently nobody wants to fly there. Uh, so yeah, so that was a thing. Uh, so don't try to do what I did, which was fly from Indianapolis to Atlantic city because it's not possible. Um, so yeah, flying, have your stuff together. Like the, don't be like those people who are like, uh, what do you mean? I have to take my shoes off. There's a lot of people who you were, were, were Chris, weren't you seeing like in like at Heathrow? Where yeah, when I when like, I was in the when I was in the transfer thing, it was like uh it was a young uh 
um, I think they were Russian, um, but just a young couple. Okay. And it was like, it's like, you're arguing with the security. Like, why do I have to take my shoes off? And uh, why do I need to take my laptop out of my bag? And I was like, just come on, man. I'm thinking just, just like do what they tell you. So the rest of us can get through here. If you want to complain to them yeah. afterwards, yell at them afterwards. But man, I've been standing here for 20 minutes while multiple people have decided that today's the day that they're going to get feisty with the security people, um, at Heathrow. It's mm-hmm. like, just, just like I feel like Tanzan, do you realize they can cause you to miss your flight? If that's what you want to do, great. You want to you want to get stuck in London because you decide right. to get all aggressive about how you don't want to take off your uh, you know take off your hoodie. All right, whatever, man. Just then step off to the side and let the people that actually need to get somewhere um, get the hell off of this. Uh, get the hell out of this security thing. Yeah, I get the most of the stuff that I see usually isn't usually aren't people who actually, you know, argue with anybody, but you know, you got more international folks, you know, maybe in Russia, they don't have to do that. I don't know. But, um, it's the folks who, uh, you know, say flying out of Indianapolis and I guess they just don't know like the, or any American airport, like they just don't realize they have to take off stuff. I don't, it's, I don't know. It, I'm just surprised, you know, I'm just surprised where they don't realize that, but maybe I'm maybe the onboarding process to explain people how to do stuff. Isn't as good as I thought it was, but I, I don't know. It seemed kind of clear to me, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong, uh, that, you know, you got to take your shoes off and you got to do that. And don't like, don't take your shoes off. Like right when it's your turn to go through the line, like right to go through stuff and be like, Oh, now I've got to take my stuff off. Well, why are you making me wait? You knew this. You could have done it back in at fucking Starbucks, you know, back there. You could have sat down and done all this stuff, but instead you got to do it in front of me. I don't know. Just have your stuff together. And, you know, I forget stuff every once in a while. Like I'll forget and leave a water bottle in there. And I'm like, oh, sorry, guys. You know, I just I, I don't know. Get I'm sorry. That was my mistake. I just wasn't thinking. Or like I had a thing of like a tin of Altoids. Of course, that's going to set off the detector. What am I thinking? You know, of course. And so I forget something every once in a while, but just just like getting up there and just like kind of not being just have your stuff together. Right. That's all I want. So now that I've told everybody uh, what they're supposed to do when I'm waiting behind them in line. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Connections. I, I just got to deal with it, I guess, you know, so planes, planes kind of suck, but you just like kind of put your head down and power through and hope that it's okay. Um my other thing is that I've just found that there are some airlines that are better than others. And if you pay for like the absolute cheapest ticket, it's probably going to be a suck ass kind of experience. Like they've got some real budget airlines like Allegiance and or what Allegiant or whatever and Spirit Airlines and Frontier's like this too now. I used to really like Frontier and now um not so much. And uh it's just unpleasant, you know? And you don't get to, I don't know. I'm crazy. Do you always want to pick your seat like I do? I can't, yes. like, I can't even imagine flying on Southwest because I need to know where my goddamn seat is. Yeah, no, I won't fly Southwest for that exact reason. I, I always try to get the, um, uh, premium economy seats. I always pay for the upgrade. Yeah. Um, or get the ones with the, um, leg room. I just, I absolutely need it. I couldn't, like, I was absolutely uh, going out of my mind with the thought that, um, when I was flying, um, 
I mean, I paid for it for Australia, so I wasn't worried. But um, yeah. initially, it looked like I wasn't going to be able to get the extra leg room for when I flew to um, to Europe twice. Oh, yeah. And I was like, "Man, I said I cannot, I can't do, I can't do seven and a half hours in coach with the with yeah. without the leg room. I just, I, I, I can't do it." So luckily, I was able to like you know log in and upgrade and pay, pay the extra money for the to get the room. But uh, but yeah. Um, I, I would never, fl- I mean, I would never fly Southwest, um, just because I don't feel like I don't enjoy the idea of like running to my seat. Thanks very much. Yeah. I just don't, I, I, it's like, I need as lot as little anxiety as possible. Like, so I need things decided and figured out and taken care of for me as much as I can. So I like, like one of the reasons, you know, so I'm always flying Delta. If you get the comfort the Delta comfort, which are economy plus whatever you want to call it, right. you get to board earlier. And that's another thing. It's like, okay, now I'm not worried that like my bag's going to fit or I'm going to get back there. And it's like, you know, everybody's taking up space with their shit and now I can't fit my stuff in, you know, stuff like that. It's like, okay, it is worth it to me to spend more money for that too. And now I have like, because of the card, I get to board earlier too. So because I have that card and that's a thing. So I don't know, planes, what are you going to do about them? You know, do you drive places ever? Like, are you able to drive to conferences much? Um, not recently. I mean, I, like I, I drove to Chicago for, right. um, for the last tech and that was fun because I went and got Matt Frost, um, for this conference that I'm going to next weekend, which is the PHP cruise. Uh, my wife, Claire is coming with me. So, um, people will get to actually meet uh, the woman that puts up with all my bullshit. So, um, so we're driving from here to Baltimore on the Saturday. So that's not too bad. I think that's probably given, I like to drive fast with our stops for, uh, lunch and some snacks along the way. It's probably like a nine hour drive in total. Yeah, um, yeah. nine hours to Baltimore. So that's not too bad. I, I, I mean, I would like to drive to conferences. It's like, kind of like eight hours is kind of my max that I'm willing to drive. Like when I looked at going to tech in St. Louis, it's like, man, mm-hmm. that's like, I'm like, that's like 13 solid hours of mm-hmm. driving plus stops for gas and food. I'm like, uh, even with a companion, like to, you know, for us to talk about shit, it's like, that's a really fucking long drive. Um, I know that I'm planning on doing a stupid, insane drive in, um, in September. Uh, one of the projects I work on at Mozilla, the team that's based in France is coming to New York City to do a work week. Yeah. So, uh, the end of that work week is normally when I do my, is when I do my yearly baseball trip. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to drive to New York City from up here. That's like about nine hours of travel time. Uh, do the work week there. Drive on the Monday, so get there late on the Monday. Then we'll do the work stuff Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Then on Friday, I'm going to drive all the way from New York to Detroit. So, um, which is uh, surprisingly not that much longer a drive because of like having to, because I, I can cut a little bit further south. I don't have to like go up near Buffalo and, and that area on, on the drive back. I can take the, take the, is it I 90? I think it is. Anyway, the main mm-hmm. east, the main east west one. I can take that up to a certain way and then cut even further south. But, uh, but that's the plan. Um, with, with my old piece of shit car, no, I didn't like to do, um, super long drives like that. But with my BMW, I don't mind doing a drive like that because the car's pretty damn comfy. So, yeah, I can dig that. Um, yeah. Having, yeah. A com- having a comfy car makes long trips a lot easier. 
Yeah, it certainly does. Um, I start getting, if it's over six hours, that's pretty, that's pretty hard for me. Um, I kind of will get a little antsy. Um, might be a little different with a, with a companion, but on the other hand, sometimes I like to ride solo tell everybody to suck it, do whatever the fuck I feel like. Yeah. Um, so it's just different. Um, I, uh, I think that I, I do like that. I can drive, like if I need to drive Nashville or Louisville, had a couple conferences there can hit those. I've been able to drive to the conference in Kalamazoo, a couple in Ohio, um that's been good and i like i like that having a a car there the times i don't want to have a car are like in a big city and it's too crazy um but uh nashville has been pretty good for that um and you know a couple of cities it's just been it's you know not not huge massive cities but places where uh, you can, uh, get there and it's, you know, it's usually a little bit cheaper, even if you figure in like mileage, uh, business mileage rates and things like that. So I think it's worth, uh, I think it's worth it if you can do it. Um, and the other thing is it gives you an opportunity to usually carry other stuff. Like, you know, sometimes I've gone to give my talk and I get kind of dressed up and wear a suit or something like that. Uh, cannot really do that on the plane just because i can't pack something that isn't gonna it's just gonna look like shit when it comes out of my duffel bag so uh i can't really do that when i'm flying um but yeah you know uh, i like the opportunity if i can do it um but i am definitely i'm not much if it's probably if it's over like six a six hour drive that starts getting harsh um i think Mem- i drove down to memphis and that was like six and a half seven hours and that was a little bit rough uh, last time when I drove down there for work. Uh, that was a little, that was a little bit rough. Uh, that last like couple hours was uh, a little dark times. Um, what about uh, how about like hotels or where you stay that kind of thing? Um, I've uh, I if I can afford them, I much prefer to stay in a hotel. Uh, oh yeah, same same with right, me. Yeah. Hotels all the way. I like swanky ones, but that's not always um, that's not always possible. Um, also, in terms of like traveling stuff, and we kind of gloss over this a little bit. Me personally, when I go to conferences, um, I try to get there. I try to schedule my stuff so that I get there at least a day ahead mm-hmm. of when the event starts. So that gives me actually a day to like do something in that location. I've had a lot. I've had a lot of good success, like be able to do touristy stuff go see things, go hang out with some people, um, before the actual event and yeah. then, le- and then leave the day, um, after the event is over. Cause I used to do get there, you know, the night before the thing started and then like fly out, you know, right after the event is over. And I found that it just felt really compressed and I felt really, really stressed. Mm-hmm. So, um, so sometimes I've paid for the extra hotel room myself. I don't consider that a big hardship. I'm luckily I'm in a good financial position to be able to do so. Um, but, uh, but you know, as, as my interests in conferences have changed over the past couple of years where I'm starting to really only want to go to conferences at spot places where either I've been invited specifically invited to come or events in places that I haven't been to before. Mm-hmm. So with that sort of change in my focus, I've, I've, I, I want to spread things out. I want to get there so I can relax, feel comfortable, 
not feel like I literally have to get off the plane and start stressing about uh, about what I need to do and, you know, all that stuff. So what about you, Ed? Do you like to do it that way or are you like kind of you, you like to get in there, give your talk and get the hell out? Is that kind of like how, how do you like to do it? I, I really prefer to stay for longer. I think that sometimes it's just the amount of travel that I'm doing. And if I'm, you know, hitting a number of things like like my October is going to be crazy. Uh, for example, I th- I'm going to do like three or four conferences like in a month and that is just a lot (laughs) and so in those kind of situations i will often try to cut down on the amount of time uh that i take uh so i will i will try to you know make it a total three-day trip I have a couple of times I've, i've i've once or twice have done just an overnight trip um, so, you know, fly in and then fly out the next day. Uh, but I, I try not to do that. That's really hard. Um, I have done, uh, some three day trips. I really like it to be at least four. So I have at least two days, two full days and then two travel days. Um, but, uh, that, you know, a lot of that's just a matter of are you trying to save some money and trying not to be gone as long. Um, but you know, I'm also kind of, I'm probably taking more trips and that that's a, so that's a, that's a thing where you kind of, I don't want to be gone so much. Um, but yeah, I'd really prefer to be there more. And if, if all things were equal, I'd like to kind of get there the day before and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of conferences, they'll do like a day or two of tutorial days. And I will oftentimes make that a travel day because I'll, I'll usually not go into tutorials. Um, and, and so that stuff is, you know, that, I think that it helps a little bit. Um, you just have to balance it and figure out like what you can do, what you can't. Um, but if you have the opportunity, I would say, try to stay for a little bit longer. It, it keeps the, it keeps you from feeling like you're running around all the time. You get to do kind of more stuff. And, um, I definitely miss some stuff on the, on the end, at the beginning and the end of, of, uh, a lot of conferences because I'm, flying out a little bit earlier or coming in a little bit later. So, uh, and just opportunities to, to, to socialize, to meet people, to make connections and, and, you know, interact with folks. Uh, oftentimes I have a little bit less of that because, uh, because I'm cutting it shorter, but you just do what you can, you know, it's, it's, uh, so I, but I definitely like to take that time if I can. Um, I remember one time I just, I was, I think it was a ZenCon that was in San Jose and I went to it and I had a, I just booked, I just accidentally booked my flight for like the, the, like a day later than I thought I had. (laughs) So I just stayed an extra day. <laughs> and uh went to some kind of Star Trek exhibit that was at a local museum in San Jose and stuff like that. So, you know, I yeah. Double checking dates <laughs> is something that uh is important to do. Yes, oh that on on that speaking of double checking stuff. Yeah, that's a great point too. Uh, if you have a mobile phone and I I think Rasmus Lerdorf is the only uh PHP community member who travels a lot who doesn't have a phone as far as I can tell. Mm. Uh, get an app, 
uh, get the app for the airline that you're flying with. Get something like TripAdvisor. Get something else because uh, this is because uh, I've been working on my uh, my time management talk that I'm giving at, on the cruise. Mm-hmm. of tools to help you stay on top of all these things. Get something else that worries about remembering uh, when all your things are and prompts you. Um, things with push notifications tell you, hey, you need to check in for your flight and yeah. and, and other wonderful things like that. Uh, get get the app for your airline. Put it on your phone. Use it. Usually the apps for the specific airlines let you do things a little bit easier than if you're trying to do it through the website. You can usually It's usually easier to like check your seats and check in and indicate your luggage and get your boarding pass mailed to you and, and, and all that other wonderful stuff. I uh, I don't I like because my travel is like so scattershot. Yeah. Um, I don't go with a specific airline because most of the time I'm not paying for the flight. So it kind of feels like a dick move to say, hey, can you book on this airline so I can claim some points? Uh, to me, that seems like a dick move. Uh, but, yeah, I'm kind of a dick, you know, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I tend to end up with like several different apps for different airlines. Because right. people always say, oh, do you fly with a specific one? I'm like, yeah, no, I don't fly enough and I really don't care. And I think part of the issue too is I probably, I probably don't fly enough anymore. Um, to really make benefit from that, to get status, to get anything like where you get access to the lounge and right. uh, a premium economy doesn't cost you anything if you can actually travel enough. And I do know some people that travel enough that they can get status and get uh, get automatic upgrades to to business class if there's seats available and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, but but then again, that means you have to you would have to um, travel a ton. And I'm just like really at this point in my career, I'm like. Yeah, I'm not really interested in a job where I got to travel all over the goddamn place all the time. It's just to- not, yeah, not yeah. what I want to do. Totally makes sense. Back to the the hotel thing. Have you ever like looked into like, oh man, these hotels are crazy. Can I get an Airbnb or something like that? You ever looked? At no, that? I don't like Airbnb for the same reason I don't like Uber, and for the same reason I don't like sure. Lyft. Mm-hmm. Um, so just on principle alone, um, I won't I won't use those things. Uh, mm-hmm. For reasons I've made very very clear on previous podcasts, uh, right. no, I, I I never I never look at that and think like, um, yeah, no, these hotels look nuts. Um, I'm like, uh, okay, this is maybe this is maybe a dick move as well, but I'm like, if this conference wants me to come and speak, well, they're putting me up in the hotel, and if I got to pay for a night myself, that's fine. But I'm not. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not going to feel guilty about like about the hotel and stuff. If if I got to pay, I got to pay. If I got to pay for a night, if the conference is only covering like two nights, and I got to be there for four, well, good thing I have a business on the side that makes a little bit money, and I can just write it off as a business expense and say, yep, yeah. I was traveling. I was traveling for uh, for side business. I did some side business work, so that's counts um yeah i don't like i don't like again like i said i don't like airbnb because the share sharing economy is to me is just it's just nonsense and it's uh, people need to people need to start looking at it from a different perspective because as i've i've even talked to you about this before i said Mm -hmm. i don't think uh, the sharing economy's whole purpose seems to be to turn us into uh a workforce of everybody having to hustle their ass off just to survive and that is not what we need to be doing we have the i saw you tweeted about this earlier today you know Mm -hmm. we definitely you can definitely start to see a society forming where we really don't have to work and no one's given any thought about what what the challenges of a society where we have enough automation and other things in place where people don't really have to work and there might be an, an it's my personal belief that there is a large percentage of the population who would be much better off without having to deal with the stresses of work 
And Mm -hmm. we're in a position where we, where you and I can help to start to build a society like that. But a lot of these other things, uh, the, the sharing economy really, in my opinion, undermines, um, so much of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's, it's about, about these companies replacing one set of middlemen with themselves. And I just find it, I find it wrong and morally repugnant and really dishonest. And, um, I wish, so many of my friends weren't such enthusiastic users of um, of Uber and Airbnb, and that I, I wish they saw it the way that I did. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, I mean, I don't use, for what it's worth, I don't use Uber. I do use Lyft, or I use Uber sometimes. I try to use Lyft, which seems like they at least pay people better, from what I've heard. Uh, but I do use Airbnb sometimes. Uh, I have been uh, relatively happy. Uh, with it when I've used it, but I'm also really careful about when I use it. And it, I really only use it if the, you know, because obviously I go to, maybe not obviously, I go to at least half the conferences I attend don't give any kind of travel or lodging coverage. So um, then I have to figure out, okay, so what hotel am I going to stay in? I have to look at the rates. And usually if it starts getting upwards over $250 a night, I'm like, Oh boy, this one's a little bit hard. Yeah, no, I, know. I, 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 I get that. Per- I, that, I get that. Pers- I get that perspective. So, that, yeah, so no, that's, I understand that. that's the main reason I use it. I, I, I mean, from a, if I just look at it from a stress standpoint, I would much rather stay at a hotel because I know exactly how it's going to work. Every Airbnb is different. They all have different, where's the key? Do I meet somebody? How do I, it seems like every time I go and it seems like every time I rent an Airbnb, the person who's renting it is out of town. So I don't actually talk to a human being. It's like I go to a lockbox or something like that. I type in this code. I hope the code is right. Um, you know, I'm in a strange city and there's nobody around to help me. And if this doesn't work, basically I'm SOL. Um, I mean, I could figure stuff out. I would be fine, but it's, it's a kind of spooky, uh, a kind of, kind of nerve wracking. And it's, you know, there's not an elevator like the last one I had where it was like, okay, I got to walk up four flights of stairs. Is that a lot? You know, you know, it, it kind of is when you're carrying your luggage, <laughs> you know, there actually was actually I take that back. There was an elevator and it was one, one of these like really single person elevators that had like a gate that you'd have to like an accordion gate. Oh, wow. You had to manually open and close. Nice. Um, it had like a fire door, like a big thick door that you opened like a regular door, not like slide open doors. And then you had to open that accordion gate to get into it. So it's this very old elevator that there was like warning signs on it that like if if the door was open in the basement, it would not move and it would get stuck. And so I was afraid of using that. <laughs> and um, but and that's kind of what you're dealing with. But it was like it was either that or all the hotels and route that are near the venue in Portland. Two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars a night minimum. And actually, it didn't used to be like that. Six, seven, eight years ago, it was a lot cheaper to stay in downtown Portland. And it has gone, is doubled in that amount of time. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Housing prices in Portland are are, are going, you know, shooting up like a missile. And the hotels are going along right with it. Um, 
so that's uh, that you know that's really kind of why I do that. For me, the uh, the thing with uh, you know I don't really. For me, I, I end up using Lyft a lot um, for for taking rides places because it's easier to get to. And that's a tough, and I absolutely, I really do understand your point of view on this. I, or at least I think I understand it as best I can. Uh, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Um, I tend not to use Uber because it seems like the people who run it are, are more actively dickheads about stuff than I haven't heard that directly from Lyft. They made, they basically have the same model though. Um, so if you're just talking about the shared economy model and you are talking about that, you're treating people as contractors, not employees, they don't have protections and stuff like that. Lyft has the same model. So the difference, the only differences are in details. Um, it was interesting that typically I ask actively the, you know, my drivers, usually if I feel like they seem like the kind of person I can have a conversation with, I will ask them how long they've been driving and do they like it? Because I care if they like it or not, right? Uh, because I do, you know, and you've been somebody who's prompted me to keep thinking about this stuff and keep thinking about, well, why are you driving? What are you doing? And stuff like that. You know, a lot of people run into a lot of people who are kind of doing it because they have it. They're usually doing it as a secondary job or they're doing it as um, it's like they're in school. And so they're just doing it while they're in school. But here's an interesting thing I ran to that I hadn't. I Usually I talk to people and I, I run into a lot of people who would do both. They would do Uber and Lyft. Seems like that. But then I was in Portland just the other, you know, just a couple weeks ago. And I, I think I took Lyft four times. Three of the four times I asked. One time the person didn't seem like they were real conversive. Uh, but then the other times, each time I asked them, so do you, do you drive for Uber too? Or have you driven? They said, every one of them said yes. And I don't anymore. I don't do it anymore. And they three, all of them said one, they felt like the people who take Lyft are different and better customers. I don't know why exactly, but that's what they said. And then the other thing that they said was that, um, Uber, I think it sounds like maybe after they had that IP an IPO, they changed some stuff and like, um, to, they lowered their rates, but they also kind of made the drivers eat that, um, where Lyft has a thing where it's like, they have a $5 floor on, um, fares. So let's say you drive and the driver would normally, they would, uh, if you just went by percentages or 10 number of miles or whatever it would, they'd only earn like a couple bucks. Well, the driver still gets at least $5 for that fare. Um, and I guess Uber doesn't do that. And so they make more money driving for Lyft. And they also felt like they get better customers and they kind of felt like Lyft handled stuff better. You know, this, there were still a couple complaints like the insurance was expensive or some or what. I don't remember what that was. But anyway, uh, that was interesting because all of those people, you know, three of the four drivers I had, I didn't ask the fourth one, uh, but three of those four drivers all said that they preferred to drive for Lyft. So I like Lyft. I'd rather use it if I can. Um, if I had a way of just calling a regular fucking taxi, I would do that too. Like a, and you know what? I can, I can, I can drive a taxi and a lot of cities will do that, but it, boy, it is really convenient to just be able to do that in my phone. I, I do wish, uh, 
I do wish somebody could get taxis organized better. I remember there was an app called Hilo, something like that. H-A-I-L-O, I think, or Halo. Maybe it was supposed to be Halo, like Halo Taxi. And that would just call regular taxis. And I remember using that a couple times. I think I used it a couple times in Montreal. And then, I don't know, it shut down and it, it's not there anymore. It, I don't know. So that was a thing. But um, I am terrified to take public transportation in cities I don't know. And I don't know how it works. So otherwise, then I'm taking a taxi or a, or a, some other taxi equivalent uh, from a functionality standpoint. And so that's that's what I end up doing. And I, uh, you know, yeah, it's kind of it's it's kind of a luxurious ride. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just different. You know, it's funny. I was thought we were talking about that that podcast I was on where um, some some folks, a lot of folks who had gone to PyCon or Open Source Bridge, both of which were in Portland recently. Uh, and some of them were talking about staying in like hostels and stuff like that to keep, I think, to keep costs down. Right. Or, you know, traveling overseas and going to that. And I'm like, I nah, I, I just can't do that. Can't can't share a room with people I don't really know. I don't like sharing a room with people I do know. You know, I've shared a room a couple times with Chris. It was horrible. Um, and you know, Chris, you remember how terrible that was. Actually, it wasn't bad because I yeah, had the bed and you had the couch, and yep. all I could hear was your CPAP machine whining in the background. So that wasn't bad. as far as I'm concerned. That was that was fine. Actually, I want to ask you something. Yeah. Have you have you ever used your CPAP on the plane? No, uh, my CPAP has to plug in, and sometimes the plug situation on different planes can be a thing. I've never used it on the plane. Uh, I do not tell people I don't have to use it on the plane, uh, so that then they don't give me any gaffle if I was carrying it in a separate bag. Um, some people do. Like if I had to take a, if a, you know, and it is a thing. Like if I take a red eye, it's not like I nod off, but I, I'm just not. I just don't have my CPAP, right? So I'm not like getting any decent sleep. But I would really probably want a battery powered one, and I'd want one that was a lot smaller. And you can get ones that are smaller. The one I have is probably about the size of like my head, especially if you include like the well. See, the thing is, a lot of CPAPs they they have there's two kind of pieces that go together, um, and how they all work is different. Like mine is actually a two piece unit. Where you can run it just as the CPAP, but then you can attach to the front of it as a separate piece, a humidifier that it's basically got a a plate that warms up like a metal plate in the bottom. So when you plug it in, it will like heat up water that you put in this basin and then it vaporizes the water. And the reason why you do that is you want warm, humid air. And you're much less likely to have problems with like sinuses or getting, you know, colds or sinus infections or the respiratory issues with the CPAPs. If you have that, it needs to be, but it needs to be that warm, moist air. People hate that word. Sorry. Uh, Warm, humid air. So that like that complicates it even further. Now, there's some things that have like you know, have like sponges with some water in it and, you know, all sorts of different things and that try to make it smaller or whatever. And you can run it without the humidifier and it's still better. It's just not as good because there's your problem. If I run it without the humidifier, I can tell the difference. Like I wake up, I'm kind of dried out. 
uh kind of feels you know my nose will like my sinuses will be kind of chunky uh but it uh it's definitely better than not having the cpap um but it's a it's kind of a pain in the ass um and so if i was going on a long flight like you like when you went to australia i'm not sure i might try to use it because that is a lot of time for me to go without that thing and uh and that would be kind of rough i think yeah, I was just curious if if you've ever used it on the plane because I can't think of any time on uh, longer flights that were overnight ones, like where people were expected to sleep for a big chunk of it. Yeah. Of anyone using um, anyone using a CPAP machine of some sort, I've seen people like use uh, devices like uh, bands around the back of their head to like draw their nose up to try to keep their throats clear so they don't oh, snore yeah. and stuff, yep. stuff like that. But I don't think I've ever seen anyone plug an actual CPAP machine. I wonder though, if maybe some people who are like in business class or first class, like on a super long flight with those, mm. you know, the, the little almost like pods where they could stretch out completely. I would imagine given how swanky those things usually are, you can, uh, you probably can plug your thing into power and you could power up the CPAP, especially if you are lucky enough to have, like you said, one of the, one of the smaller ones instead of the huge Darth Vader model that you have. Yeah. I mean, mine's not as Darth Vader even as, as it could be, but it's just, boy, those things are expensive and it's just, it's way in that thing where it's like, am I, I could drop seven or 800 bucks on one that's smaller, but boy, that's, and it feels like kind of a lot of money. I don't know. Uh, to only it use is, it on it, trips. It is know. and it, it is and it isn't, right? Yeah, that's the you thing. Is I mean? It's kind of on the line of, well, maybe it'd be worth it. I don't know. But I do okay with what I've got. And I've gotten, I've kind of reached a medium. Probably the one thing is that, that's a probably a bigger deal is that I always have like, like a lot of stuff. I, I keep my toiletries now. I just have my bag all the time. Like it is in my suitcase or my, in my duffel and it is ready to go. You know, I have, I have to take it and put meds in, you know, maybe a couple nights before, but I refill those bottles and then it's, it's all ready to go. And I also have in my bag all the time, I have an extra laptop charger and I have an HDMI cable and I have an extra lightning cable for charging the phone and an, like an extra USB thing. And so, so I've got stuff like, a lot of my stuff is pre-packed already, right? Um, but the CPAP isn't because I've only got one of those. And I've had, like, I've had at least one case where I brought the CPAP, but I forgot the power cable for it. And, you know, it's shit like that where it's like, I kind of wish I had a dupe. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wish I had that second one that I could just leave with it. And then I, it's one less thing that I might forget. Um, but it's also kind of expensive to get that stuff, man. Like just the mask is like a hundred over a hundred dollars, just the mask. Right. So a medical shit is expensive, bro. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, so, so it sucks. I mean, I, I would like to have a second one, uh, to prepack and that would, that would be a little bit less stress in my life. But, uh, that one's just something I kind of have to deal with. So, yeah, I don't know. On the flights, I would bet people aren't aren't pulling it out because a lot of people don't use them even when they're asleep because they find them uncomfortable or inconvenient or maybe a little bit embarrassing. Yeah, no, and, I can definitely see that. Uh, and I, I have just gotten to the point where I have no shame about it. But um, 
it uh they're probably just like i bet there's more people there who probably should use them and they're just not using them because it's either too much of a hassle or they just are like i i don't want to whip this out in front of everybody no i can definitely understand people's reluctance uh I mean, you know, vanity is what it is in certain societies. And you may be some people like, I don't give a fuck. I need this thing so I can actually sleep. So they would use it. And others would be like, I don't want to actually let anybody. I mean, no, I have. I mean, think of even you must know some people who like wear glasses, but will refuse to let them have a picture taken of themselves wearing glasses. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Like we know we always both of us know people like that. So I can I can imagine that people some people having similar thoughts about uh, about a CPAP machine because it is a very strange looking device. But uh, it's weird to have a hose coming out of your face. Um, yep. it's, yeah. And that, and that you're doing it with your consent instead of you being unconscious and having someone do it to, you know, because you're in the hospital. It kind of looks like a breathing tube. Yeah, yeah. it kind of does. Um, but it is not. And cause, cause I remember like uh, the one time in tech when you crashed in my room and you, and you had brought your, brought it with yeah, you right. and I was out uh, doing whatever stupid shit that I do. And I came back quite late and you mm. were there sleeping and I walked by you and you like had this thing on your face. I was like, I was like, holy fuck. Fuck! <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. Well, uh, I guess if it keeps him alive and not dying in his sleep, who am I to complain? And, and I'm not going to lie. I went close and, and looked at it and said, hey, I wonder if I could pinch the hose. Yeah. Of course, I had had I'd had a whole bunch to drink, but I was kind of looking at it. What happened if I like pinch the hose <laughs> right here? Is Ed going to wake up? Is Ed like going to freak out if he wakes up and I'm like standing over top of him yes. with my hand, with my hands near his face? The answer to that question quite clearly is why, yes, he would come freak <laughs> yes. completely the fuck out. But, that would uh, be alarming. Yes, that would be quite alarming. But yeah, I just remember going, Jesus, is that what a CPAP? Wow. I'm, I'm like thinking, so number one, I'm glad I don't have one. Number two, don't laugh because you'll wake them up. And number three, <laughs> could I pinch that hose and have them wake up? Yeah, right. But uh, but it was kind of, it was interesting. It was kind of like a white noise generator almost. And it would just beep once in a while. I do remember. Really? Um, I don't even yeah. notice that. Yeah. Well, because of course you're you're asleep. Um, so you wouldn't notice. I thought um, it must have been something else beep. It actually doesn't make that much noise. I think I might have had my white noise app on my phone running, too. Maybe that's what it was. Because it's actually shockingly quiet, as long as mm. there's a good seal on the mask. Um, if I take the mask off, it's kind of loud, because you can hear the air blowing. Right. But if it's all going up in my head, uh, you really can't hear it. Well, maybe that's what it was. So that, must, that, must have been been my, that must have been the white noise app that I have. But yeah. Uh, you know, sp- speaking about drinking too much, we can do a little segue, and then I think we're almost done here. So yeah, right. on the on the cruise, yeah. uh, so basically you can get, like, coffee, tea, uh-huh. water, and lemonade for free. But okay. anything else, mm-hmm. you, have to, uh, you have to pay for. Okay. Either pay or... You can get like um, a oh pirate pad. Thank you. Yeah, it did that for me too. Yeah, yeah, it's reconnecting. Uh, or you can like prepay mm-hmm. for like a package. So they have like one that's like unlimited soft drinks mm-hmm. and one that's like unlimited booze. Right now, I'm not a big drinker. Yeah. So the unlimited booze thing doesn't hold a ton of appeal because yeah. I think it's something like for the for both Claire and I, it's like like a hundred and ten US a day for the two of us. Mm-hmm. But that's but that that one is like unlimited soft drinks and a limit of fifteen drinks, nice. alcoholic beverages per person. So, right? Wait, fifteen drinks a day? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? 
<laughs> I know, I know. But the best thing was, like, when my wife was, like, trying to figure out whether it's worth getting it. Because my inclination was, how about we just, like, pay for our drinks as we go? And if I completely tie one on one night, I'm pretty sure I won't be, like, having, like, 20 or 30 drinks, right? Yeah, uh-huh. But my wife is, like, looking at stuff online about reviewing, like, whether this package is... So some people are like, um, some people are like, oh, yeah, I, you know... Uh, um, yeah, the 15 drinks a day just wasn't enough for me. I'm thinking, wow, you like literally have a drinking problem. That's like the very definition. Like some people are like, oh, you know, my wife, and you know, I like to have like eight to nine beers a day. And, and my wife lot. has like three or four. And I'm like, wow, like, like, like confessions of a functioning alcoholic or something like just, just looking at that. I'm like, yeah, 15 drinks a day. Like my wife sat down and figured like, what's the bare minimum at like X price point? Like, how many drinks would you have to have every single day? And I'm like, yeah, like, I, I couldn't drink like that every single day. I couldn't have, like, eight, nine alcoholic beverages every single day. Like, I could, like, maybe have one night where I go hard and have, like, a whole bunch. Yeah. But otherwise, like, but literally, really, like, yeah, and I borrow, you know, and after I did my 15, I, uh, oh, thanks, Pirate Pad, for screwing us over. Yeah, um, we're, yeah, we're yeah we just lost everything. Um God damn it. Thanks. Thanks, free service. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess I shouldn't complain because it was free. Uh, and we can reproduce all this shit anyway. But yeah, then I, then I took my wife's card and got like another 10 drinks. I was like, oh my God, like what are you? And people are like advocating stuff like what you should do is also watch when people leave their tables. And if they're, and if they haven't fi- completely finished their drinks, take their drinks too. I was like, Jesus Christ, like who are these people who are going on these cruises and getting like absolutely blotto every single night they're on the ship? Like, yeah, how did you? Like, well, you've really thought about this a lot, but, but just, uh, just the abs- <laughs> it's just because of the absurdity. Yeah, well, of I, it, like, they have you know? like they have all these plans for like re, uh, like 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 stealing drinks and shit. Ch- yeah, like like imagine that's your position. You know, like, you like, you it's sound like, like a junkie. Yeah, no, not, I mean it, I ain't trying to front, but you sound like yeah. somebody who's fiending. Yeah, like like if you're actually making a plan where like you're gonna like watch at people's tables and if they have like a a drink that's like three quarters done, you're like as soon as their back is turned, you're gonna take it and like shuck on that drink down. It's like yeah, reading about that stuff, it's like yeah, like if you don't like if you don't drink a lot already and you don't go out and socially drink a lot, yeah. I think you forget that a very significant percentage of our society gets themselves absolutely liquored up every opportunity that they get that uh yeah yeah you know it's interesting it reminds me a little bit of these guys it was that it was an old php tech it was back in the marco days and uh marco andretti and uh Mar- marco tabini come tabini. on let's get the yeah, name right yeah, yeah. marco tabini Mar- marco uh, andretti yeah. <laughs> uh was uh and there, there were these two guys in like uh, it was, it was, I think it was a Microsoft sponsored booze up party and they had an open bar for like an hour and a half or two hours and, oh yeah, pirate pad sure did take a dump. Um, and there were these two guys who were dressed up like they were going hunting, like they were wearing camo hats and camo gear and stuff. I don't think I've heard right. this story. This sounds awesome. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember that I I think I saw him and we were like in line next to him. I was getting a drink, like one drink, right? And they were like, they said something like that, like this had been like their seventh time through the line. 
that they were just like going up and getting a drink and then going back to the back of the line. <laughs> like they were just circling. So, so is the, is the end game for the stories that they weren't actually programmers? They just like crashed the party and started that, boozing it up. That's entirely possible. I don't know. They, you know, it takes all kinds to, to make, uh, you know, the PHP world go round, but these, yeah. And I was just like, Whoa, brother, that's uh okay. Yeah, like uh, just reading those reviews, I'm like, f- like, what state are you in where like 15 drinks a night isn't enough for you? Like, that's uh, a lot. just and, and, uh, that's uh, and there, there, one of the things like, like a bottle of wine counts for X number of drinks and stuff. But I'm like, man, let's just reading that. I'm like, look at this. I'm like, I'm uh, my wife is talking about maybe getting the the unlimited um, soft drink one because that covers like sparkling water and yeah. like fruit fruit juices and stuff. So we might oh, end well, up yeah. we might end up doing that. But I'm certainly I'm just gonna like basically the way the ship the cruise works is that there's no cash. Right. So everything yeah. mm-hmm. you have to either you either show up or either you like pre-register with them and give it your give them your credit card and they'll just like then they give you your card. And then anytime you go to pay for something, you just give them the card and anything on top of what's already provided by the cruise. They just put it onto your tab. And then at, when you get off the boat, they just charge your card for it. Or right. I thought this is the quintessential American thing. You can tell them, yeah, I'm going to show up with, uh, you know, with X amount of uh, dollars in American currency and like in cash and I'll pay you some cash and load up a card. Right. Right. Yeah. This sounds like one of those uh, hippie buses where it's like ass, uh, gas or grass. Yeah, ass again. Yeah, I was I was joking with my wife uh, about needing some cash for some other things while she was asleep. But you know, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, hey, tell the maid. Tell the maid you want to make some extra money. Come back into my room for a minute. Oh, good lord! But it's but it's but it's all it's all cashless. So and won't be any opportunities to do that type of thing. The cashless society, finally. Yeah, but man, just reading that ad, it's like wow. Fifteen drinks aren't enough. Aren't a night aren't enough for you, huh? What is? <laughs> Do you just, oh, you know, but, that's one of the, the nice things about taking uh, benzos like I do. <laughs> you just really only need like one or two drinks and you're fucking gone. Yeah. You're rolling. Yeah, the problem is uh, it doesn't take much for me to flip into Amy Winehouse mode when I'm at a conference. <laughs> so I have, to, I, have to be, I, I have to be careful because I'm like, not that I'm a binge drinker, but it's like I can have one or I can have like 15. So it's like yeah, there's, there's not much of mm-hmm. there's not much. Unfortunately, there's not much of a middle ground um, to my drinking. I don't know how I ended up that way. Like I, I used to drink a lot more and then I got married and you have kids. And the, like I said, the kids don't give a shit that you're hungover and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, but yeah, it, it got to the point where it's kind of like, yeah, either I have one drink or I just like. When we're done, people are like we're like Chris drank all that really because um, usually I've been a, it's been a long time since I had like a really nasty hangover that I couldn't that I, I couldn't cope with. But yeah, looking at that thing, I'm like, uh, and and, the, and of course the catch to these plans too is like you can't try to scam them by having like like where I go get the unlimited alcohol one and Claire only gets the right, right. gets the soft drink one. They're like no no no, if wh- whoever's in your party, all you got to order. Um, the same thing. So we'll probably end up getting the the soft drink one. I see. Because uh, you know, I'll probably well, have because, a few, a I mean, few drinks here and there. Fifteen alcoholic drinks is way too many, but you're going to need at least thirty soft drinks a day. <laughs> this is very very true. I'm going to need to. Uh, How I'm, many is that? I, Let's say say one of those has like two hundred calories in it. Twelve ounce cup of or twelve ounce like soda. 
Well, really, I want to see if someone can die of aspartame poisoning is really what I'm trying to figure <laughs> out at this point. I, uh, I one time in, in high school, I was staying up super late to try to do a paper and I just, I drank like probably three liters of diet Coke and I couldn't feel my face for a while. Nice. <laughs> so there's definitely a, a point. That, that is a lot <laughs> of yeah. uh, three liters, it man. Was, that's, yeah, it was nuts. That's that's pretty bad. Uh, so yeah. so so. Long story short, no, I will not be purchasing the uh, <laughs> the uh, the alcoholic package because there's no way I'm going to be able to consume uh, 15 alcoholic drinks a day. It's just it's just like I I I, I was joking that uh, when I'm doing my testing workshop because it's like it's like four hours or five hours. Or something i'm like about halfway through when they're doing the exercise like i'm just i'm just gonna go get a drink and i'm just gonna like leave them to work on their work on their fizz buzz uh test cases and <laughs> and stroll up to the buffet or like two levels up and get some food and come back type thing yeah, yeah. i'm gonna see if i can actually i'm gonna see if i can actually pull that off come back with like a margarita or something and sit down while they're be like i'm not the one that needs to practice their testing get to it <laughs> yeah. good god friend well uh sounds like that should be a fun fun time for everybody yes but the scariest part of it ed is like no internet for like eight days i'm not oh paying for God. the shitty onboard internet oh not a chance no, so, I'll have to, bet, yeah. so i'll have to set up some autoresponders and other things and like tell people i will not be answering anything in a timely fashion for like eight days so mm-hmm. if it's important it better wait till i come back Sounds good to me. My, because my wife, we were arguing about this, and uh, uh, like we always do, we're arguing in the grocery store and uh, today. And so my wife's like, "Oh, it'd be just like the old back in the old days." I'm like, "Oh, you mean back before I set up my entire life around being able to talk to people anytime that I wanted?" Like, right. yeah. I said it's not. Yeah. It's not the same thing. It'll just like the old days. No, it won't be just like the old days. Like, give me a break. Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll just be very weird. Yeah. Uh, you may, don't they have cell phone towers out there? Oh yeah, that's what my. You know what? You joke about that, but my youngest daughter actually asked me about that. I'm like, do you really think they have cell phone towers on pontoons 300 miles out to sea? I'm like, I'm like, did you see that in a cartoon or something? Because that's not how it really works. They should have like an AWACS flying over you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do have internet. I, I'm pretty sure it's like satellite it's, or something. It would be so, satellite, yeah. yeah so, so it's like. Like, it won't be able to stream porn or anything. So it's probably not worth even bothering to get. It's like, I don't need. Uh, I am not one of these people who believe that they are so important that I need to have internet when I'm supposed to be on a cruise. It's like, I, I can just use my phone like in the Bahamas or something if I really want to get an update on what's going on. Yeah, I mean, if it's an emergency, yeah, uh, or I don't know. I mean, who, who cares if it's an emergency? I'm like, the only way I'm getting off that ship before it gets back to Baltimore is if, like, I'm dead or something. So, like, I'm yeah, even you'd have to. Like, I mean, it'd have to be a pretty serious thing for you to be able to, what, are they going to helicopter you out or something like that? That's not. They'll a, just, the AWAC will just come down and pick me up. Yeah, they'll pick you up. <laughs> like, the CIA extraction things where they drop, like, a tow line and you, like, just fly off. Go, go, go. Bandwidth is up here. Go, 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 go. We know you need to post a Twitter. Come on, come on, come on. Up, 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 up. Last flight out of Saigon style. Yeah, exactly. just, oh, there's internet up there? Everyone comes rushing out and wants to. Once again, on the gets on the gets on the plane. All right, so Ed, you know, I think we've reached the end of this. Oh yeah, it's been yeah. a very interesting, freewheeling discussion about how two grumpy old men handle uh, uh, travel to conferences. I, I admire I admire your willingness to go speak at a, a, at events where they don't pay for things. Because man, I don't go anywhere unless they pay me. That's a pretty firm rule. Well, I get um, other people days. pay for it. This is very true. So you know, I mean, that and everybody who donated is pretty much paying for those. So. Oh, great. So I'm helping to pay for you, asshole. Yeah, I thought you knew that. It says right up front what I'm using the money for. God damn it. Oh, sorry. There's some noise in the background because uh, our remaining cat is busy destroying her scratching post. Well, that's understandable. Yeah. I got a lot of shit to work out. 
Yeah, she's been looking for uh, Pluto a couple times mm, yeah. in, in weird places in the house. But uh, uh, the the weirdest thing was the first day when I when didn't when she, we feed her up in the kitchen now instead of down in my office because we kept them separated food wise. And so yeah. the weird the weird quizzical look she gave me when I was like I put her food down. Like, and I, I don't know, Ed, do your cats, like, this is a weird thing. Lily is the first cat that I've had that when you talk to her, she actually looks up at you and stares you right in the eyes when you talk to her. And it's it's unsettling sometimes because none of my other cats really did that. But she'll, like, turn and look at you and actually look up at your face really? and, like, right in your eyes and actually, like, literally make, like, stare at you until you actually make eye contact with her. It's a very, uh, it's I find it a very weird personality trait for a cat because I've never had a cat that's done that before that actually literally makes eye contact with you. Um, so it depends on the mood for our cats. Sometimes they yeah. just obviously ignore us. Sometimes they seem more interested in that we're talking and making noise. Right. But when you like talk to Lily and say her name and stuff, she'll like stop turning and actually like look mm. you in the face and make eye contact. So it was like this weird moment when I'm feeding her in the kitchen and she's looking up at me and making eye contact. And I'm like, no, you can get fed here now. And she looked back down at the food and like looked around like, is, is Pluto going to come jumping out of a corner or something? And then look at me again. And I, I literally said to the cat, don't make this harder than it needs to be. And then she like, she just kind of didn't went. Oh, all right. And then just started eating. Um, uh, it was a very weird, uh, very weird moment there. But yeah, like yeah. looks like she just did it now because she just walked out of the room. But when I was when I mentioned her name, she, like stop and she turned around, she looked at me and actually waited until I was like actually made eye contact. And then she looked at me and then like walked out. Huh. Was, yeah, that is a little kind of, I, cats often don't do that. Yeah. Uh, I've been told or I think I've read cat experts saying that they know that you're talking about them. They just don't care. Yeah, I know that's that's what I've heard too. They they know they 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 understand uh, verbal commands um, enough that they know when you're mentioning them and uh, they listen to certain sounds. Because I even know with our own cats, you train them with mm-hmm. certain phrase certain phrases to let them know stuff's happening. You say the same things to them when it's treat time. Same things when you're feeding them. Same thing when you're going upstairs. Uh, the same things when they're doing uh, behavior that you don't want them to do. Yeah, cats—they're just like dogs that way. They understand. They hear you. They know that you're saying things to them. Most of the time, they understand the thing that you're saying. Um, but you're right—they're right. They're just choosing to ignore you. Yeah, cats. I still love them. They're great. Yeah, yeah, me too. All right, why don't you roll real quick through the sponsors and let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Oh, hey, our notes are back for Pirate Pad. Um, we've got your sponsors of Wonder Network, our fine purveyors of networks of Wonder. You got your VPN services. You got your uh, proxy in all over the place. You got your screenshotages in all parts of the world. You got your all Sun OS all the time, text only, uh, web browsing army of robotic attack machines ready to run at up to 100 megahertz at your command. Coordinated, very slow attacks. Wonder Network, we give you bandwidth to do stuff. And Grumpy Learning, not Grampy, apparently, and it is focused, I guess, on testing programs, computer programs, I think, testing, so not writing, not like writing things that test people, but writing programs to test programs. Yeah, that's that's a good summary right there. So that's pretty much it. You go there, you uh, you got your new book, uh, Minimum Viable 
testing. Minimal viable test. MVT, dog. MVT. You're the real MVT. You're the real MVT. Uh, yeah. So, and Kevin Durant goes to the Warriors. Uh, so, in celebration of that, I think there's a sale 90% off all the books. <laughs> no. No, my bad. My bad. Um, so, yeah, uh, go out there, you, uh, you get your book, uh, you buy it, uh, you write some tests, and everything's okay. So, uh, grumpy learning, grumpy-learning.com, or eventually, sometime this week, without the dash. Yep, I, I, I successfully purchased the domain, so probably tomorrow I'll just set up the redirect. So it, no, very know, good. Sends you where you're supposed to go, through the, through the wonders of admin panels. That sounds perfect. And th- so thanks very much, as always, to Paul Reinheimer, who recently moved. They're no longer in the Toronto area. He moved to the uh, Waterloo, the Lou. Kitchener, Kitchener-Waterloo area, f- uh, home of uh, University of Waterloo, which is one of the most prestigious computer science universities in all of North America. Um you know, black- pretty much every pretty much every graduate of their computer science program already has a job lined up before they graduate. So mm-hmm. very sought very high in demand. Just just um, not at Blackberry. Just not at Blackberry, correct. Um because Blackberry, you want to talk about a company that missed out on a big opportunity to do something good, that's Blackberry. Uh so hopefully they're enjoying the K dub as us locals like to call it. Cool. Uh so this has been episode number eighty of the Development Hell podcast. Um Thanks so much for joining us. If you happen to be listening to the stream, I didn't even pay attention to IRC, so I don't even know if anybody asked a question. I just good don't job, give buddy. a shit. To, Real good I don't job. Give a shit anyway. This podcast is for us, not for these people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't like it? Get your own goddamn podcast and find a friend to talk to you seventy nine other goddamn times about stuff. <laughs> uh, you can so you can find every single podcast we've ever done on DevHell. That's right. Don't like it? Make your own DevHell.info, uh, where we have every single uh, episode we've done there, along with a very funny um a title i um ed really liked the title i came up this time um i don't say I along don't with the night really liked it but it was yeah it was pretty good oh sure so now you're backtracking <laughs> right. what, what yeah yeah now i know who my friends really are yeah, right. so along with a nice uh, graphic along with show notes uh also you can find us on um itunes if you do listen to us on itunes please 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 rate the podcast let us know how we're doing what you like what you don't like uh as an aside seriously like you know, if 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 there's topics we talked about you want us to explore more, if there's guests you think uh, we should have on and talk to, uh, talk to us on Twitter. Or or, or if you do uh, personally know us, approach us. We're we're not just going to say no outright. We're always interested in finding uh, interesting people and interesting topics to go into. Yeah. Uh, so with that, you can find us on Twitter at dev underscore hell. You can find me on Twitter as grumpy program without the U. You can find Ed as Funkatron with the U. Thanks so much. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Thanks so much for joining us. Pluto, I love you. I hope to see you someday. And uh, good night, everybody. Good night.